Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Aren't you thankful for a God that is so great and indescribable? And uh, he is so wonderful to be able to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us and to be our Savior. Uh, and I'm so looking forward to the message today and then with you all throughout the week. Uh, I'm so thankful my wife is here. She's on the front row right here. And as Pastor mentioned, uh, she'll be doing the children's meeting starting tonight. And looking forward to that as well. And uh, let me uh, say, uh, as we're looking towards the week, uh, would you make definite plans for two specific services? And it sounds kind of unique, but I really think these are two that are key for the rest of the week. Tonight's service and Monday night. Uh, Tonight and Monday night, with what the Lord's laid on my heart and uh, really helping us go forward, I think those are two great services. In fact, if you're going to miss a service today, make it this one. And uh, that's unfair, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, But I certainly encourage you to make your plans and uh, uh, certainly as well ask the Lord who you could bring as a guest or uh, as well who could come to be able to hear the gospel and how they can know that they're they're on their way to heaven. So it would be a great, great opportunity. We're praying throughout the week for that. Uh, As well, let me just say, it is wonderful to be back. I so appreciate your church. I so appreciate your pastor. uh, But I know this year you appreciate him even more, don't you? Yeah. And I've prayed along with you for him and his health. I'm so thrilled uh, the Lord has brought him to this point. And I pray that he even increases his strength. Uh, But I do thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm thankful for him, for what what he teaches and what he preaches here you're getting good, solid stuff. And if you're a guest here, perhaps uh, you've come and you're like, wait a minute, I came to hear Pastor. Please come back again and hear him uh, next Sunday. I'd encourage you to come. And the pastoral staff is wonderful here, is fantastic. Even Pastor Averitt is all right. And, uh, and uh, so uh, <laughs> it is a great, uh, great church to be a part of. I highly recommend you considering it. He did mention there's a table in the back. There's several materials back there. Perhaps before we're done, uh, we'll make mentioned several things uh, about that as well. You have uh, your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we are. If you would, let's stand to show our respect for God's Word as we read. I'll read out loud. You read just quietly verses 9 and verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9, the Bible says this, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 2 Corinthians 12, look at verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Notice it says, my grace is sufficient for thee. The title of the message this morning is The Place of Grace. The Place of Grace. Of grace. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that you would guide us and help me, Lord, to be filled with your spirit. Direct me in my thoughts and my speech. May I be filled with you. And Lord, I pray that you would be our teacher to help us understand. Save those here that do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior yet. Lord, may today be the best day of their life. Then, Lord, I ask as well that you'd help each of us as believers to make decisions to depend upon your grace. In Jesus' name, I pray this. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. Uh, Now, Sherry and I flew in uh, uh, yesterday or uh, Friday evening. And, but typically, we travel in a trailer, and it's a really large trailer. It's 49 foot 
trailer. It's custom built and it's super heavy. It's heavier than a tank, I think. It's 30,000 pounds. And we pull it with a semi, a full semi Volvo uh, semi-tractor. And uh, one particular church in Georgia said, we can't have you park at our, our regular parking lot. Uh, we're going to have you park on our um, extra parking, additional parking. And I said, no problem. He said, it's grass. I said, that's a problem. And I uh, said, so we're very heavy. He said, no, no, don't worry about it. You know, we cleared off the houses that were there. There's no septic tanks. And, uh, you know, we have cars parked on there all the time. I said, well, I'll try it. So we got there early, and, and uh, I looked at it, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll ease on. And so I eased the front tires of the semi up and over the curb and onto the grass, and everything was okay. And then I went to the back axle, back tires of the semi, and again, it was fine. And then I just slowly got on further on the grass, and now I got to the trailer. There's three sets of tires, three axles, and all three sets of tires, one after another, are all on the grass now. I pull the air brakes, and I go out to look to see where I'm going to park, and it took about five minutes. Well, during this time, uh, I'm checking it out, all the tires are fine except for the front left. It sunk down about three inches. It gave me some concern, and I said, hey, um, I noticed the sinking here. Let's back up. So I backed up, and it went just to solid ground. I said, so I said this, hey, let's park back here. It's nice and solid. It's good. He said, no, no, no. Uh, the cords won't reach back here. The hoses won't reach. Go, why don't you just go past this soft area? Just keep going and don't stop. Sounds like pretty good advice. And uh, so I put in gear, I release the clutch, it goes as fast as I can on the grass, and I, the front left tire makes it across the soft area, but when we got to the rear left tire, with all that weight with the trailer and everything, it sunk down all the way to the axle. It was touching the ground. And uh, here we are, 20, 24 inches down, and uh, I look at it, and I can't believe it's that far down, and I... I say to the pastor, assistant pastor, I said, man, we've never been stuck like this. He said, do you want me to get the church bus to pull you out? (laughs) No, that's not going to do it. And so um, I said, let's get a a tow truck, a semi-tow truck. And so about 45 minutes, an hour or so went by, and finally it arrived. Big 80,000 ton, 80,000 pound uh, tow truck. And it arrived there. Air brakes went off. Front door went open, and out came the tow truck driver. You know, hoodie. Ripped up jeans, tough, ding, you know, <laughs> tough, and uh, she was all of that. <clears throat> and uh, she walked up to me and she said, hey, you got yourself stuck, didn't you? <laughs> I said, yes, ma'am, I did. And she said, okay, well, um, here's what we're going to do. We'll keep the t- truck and trailer connected and we'll hook up a winch and we'll pull you out. And just put in neutral and just kind of be there to help steer it a little bit. And uh, so we did so and... And we're starting to pull it. Well, it's down in the ground, and it just starts moving now and is digging a trench. I mean, there's dually tires in the back on that semi. These things are huge. You can't, one man can't pick them up. They're massive. And uh, they're just digging through this dirt, two, four, uh, two feet, four feet. And we stop, and, and there's dirt piling up and everything. And, uh, and then we dig it out. And we said, what do we do? And she said, well, you have to keep going. Eventually, you'll get on solid ground. All the other tires are on solid ground. So we kept on going five feet, six feet, almost seven feet. And finally, it came up on solid ground. Well, if you could imagine this, um, the trailer and the truck are in a curve. So the truck's like this. And the trailer, if it continued that way, it would 
also be in the curb and miss the trench I just dug for the church. And uh, so she said, hey, I want you to, to go forward. I said, well, no, let, let's, let's park back here. It's a lot more solid. No, 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 that won't work. Go forward and just go f- past this area. Your trailer will miss it. Just go forward and don't stop. I said, I've heard that before. And uh, so I said, okay, you know better than I do. So I put it in gear, I release the clutch, and I go forward as fast as I can. And the trailer does miss the trench. But when it got to that soft area, not one, not two, but all three of the tires on the left side sunk down all the way to the ground. That side of of my trailer, the bottom of the trailer, was on the ground right there. And it was like a tilty world. And on this side is the refrigerator. The doors are facing this way, and they swung open. Food's, you know, coming out and everything. And, and uh, my wife said, I have something to put away. Don't go in the trailer. It's, it's unsafe. And, and then the, the tow truck driver said, we need to call a second truck so this thing doesn't tip over. <laughs> like, wow, I was really scared at this point. Well, um, man helping said, hey, how long is that going to take? Probably another hour before another truck could get here. I said, okay. Um, and then he asked her, not me, but I'm standing there. He said, hey, uh, we have a youth rally right now. Do you mind if Brother Miller comes to preach? She said, no, I don't mind. <laughs> I said, ask me. Yes, I mind. I don't want to preach. And I went and I preached to the young people and the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. <laughs> and uh, so I went and I preached. And I came back, and the second truck was there, but it really wasn't helping any whatsoever. And what did I do at that point? I said, that's it. You tried. Now I'm going to do it. I'm just going to get this thing out of here myself. I'm going to put it into gear. I'm going to just keep on that accelerator until I get myself out of this mess. Would that make things better or worse? (laughs) You say, it's obvious, worse. You know, I was in a place of total weakness. The place of grace is where we acknowledge our total weakness in order to access God's sufficient grace. The place of grace is where we acknowledge our total weakness in order to access God's sufficient grace. Look, some of you are not accessing God's grace for you right now because you're not acknowledging that you're totally weak. As we look through this, would you just say, Lord, help me to acknowledge that and see None of us can take ourselves to heaven. We need to trust the Lord Jesus to do all of that for us that we cannot do for ourselves. But as we live the Christian life, none of us can live the Christian life. We need to come to the place of total weakness at the very beginning of these services. As we look to 2 Corinthians 12, let's notice four characteristics of God's grace. First of all, let's notice this. Grace is God's strength. Or grace is the Spirit's power, if we could say it that way. But grace is God's strength. Notice verse 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Now notice it says next, for my what? Say it out loud, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Help me out again in a second. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the what? Power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, the last phrase. For when I am weak, then am I what? Strong. So notice he says, my grace is sufficient for thee. So he continues to teach on God's grace. But then he says, strength, power, and strong. And as he's talking about this, he's still talking about God's grace. Now, grace is truly unmerited favor. We'll get to the unmerited part later. But the favor part is when God does for us 
what we cannot do for ourselves. It is God's strength. It's his help. Uh, certainly uh, in Galatians 6, 18, it talks about uh, strength for our spirit, the grace of the Lord Jesus, grace of the uh, uh, Holy Spirit, uh, be with your spirit. And so it's truly helping us do what we cannot. 1 Corinthians fifteen ten it says, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was bestowed upon me. And uh, so he says, what am I except for the, by the grace of God? So Paul recognized that grace was doing strength, and, doing work in God's strength that we cannot do for ourselves. Um, now we flew here on a large airplane, a Boeing 737, both you know, a couple different variations of those. And uh, we got in. Now, they didn't ask uh, me at the beginning, uh, Mr. Miller, uh, we need a little help uh, getting down the runway. Could you give us a little push? Now, that would be kind of disturbing, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think I'm on the wrong airplane. I like to get on a different airplane. No, I didn't go out there in the, behind the plane and say, okay, are you ready? All right. Now, would I have done any good whatsoever in giving that plane a push? <laughs> getting, it down, get, getting down the runway getting enough speed to take flight, sustain flight. No, I couldn't even budget one little inch. The reality is this, is I am totally weak when it comes to that, but there's something on the plane that are massive, turbine engines. That's like God's grace. When we get on the plane, it's faith, it's dependence. Then to trust the strength of those engines to be able to carry us to our destination. Are you trusting in God's strength and depending upon him? Number one, let's notice grace is God's strength. Secondly, let's notice grace is only given. Grace is only given. Now, it it doesn't mention this in this passage. Hold your place in 2 Corinthians. I'd like everyone to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Everyone, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Um, and find verse 8 and 9. If you don't have a Bible, would you look on with someone else or perhaps find it on your device? It's so important to see Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. The Bible says here, speaking of God's grace, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, for by grace are ye saved. Stop right there. What does it mean to be saved? It means to be rescued or delivered. Okay, from what? From our what? From our sin. Our sin has a punishment. The wage of sin is death. Because of my sin, I deserve to be punished. I need to be saved from my sin. So it says, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Time and time again, the Bible refers to the salvation or the eternal life that God offers as being a gift. Uh, It says, Uh, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Not only is the eternal life given, but we need to see that grace is also given and, in fact, only given, never earned and never worked for. It's only given. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, my grace which was bestowed upon me. In James chapter 4, it says, but he giveth more grace. And he talks about as well, he gives grace to the humble, but he rejects those that are prideful. You see, God gives grace. No one here can live in such a way that you finally deserve God to give you grace and let you into heaven because you're such a wonderful person. No, the reality is this, grace for salvation 
and grace for Christian living are only given. That's the only option. So it's without any effort on your own. Uh, imagine with me um, if someone was drowning. If someone was drowning and they called out for the lifeguard, the lifeguard would jump in and would help them in the saving process. It would help them and take them to shore or take them to the side of the pool. Okay, now if that's true, then the lifeguard has to do all the saving and the person that is in need just acknowledges their need and they call out for help. Now, in doing this, it's interesting. Uh, when I was years and years ago, uh, I had a little bit of training for lifeguarding. Um, we were trained, uh, a couple of things I remember from lifeguarding class. Number one, don't let the drowning person die. This is lifeguard 101. And uh, number two, uh, we are trained as well, when saving someone else, don't drown yourself. I paid attention to that part. <laughs> I paid attention really well. And so because here's the thing, is if you just go towards someone untrained, that other person can grab you, take you both down, and you both drown and die. And so to help with this, they taught us a couple of different techniques. Now, I didn't ask ahead of time, but I'm going to ask if, if it's okay. Um, Brother Brian, your son, is it Dan? Bill. Is it Bill? Ben. Ben. I'm sorry, Ben. Ben, Dan, Joe. <laughs> hey, Ben, would you mind helping me with an illustration? Okay. Well, now you can't say no because I just put him on the spot. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate it. Come on up. Hey, Ben, have you ever drowned before? Okay, not, not recently? Okay, all right. So I'll have you just stand up here, and uh, do you have a message or anything? Yeah. No? Okay, all right, we can sit right there. Okay, if you want to just face me, okay, you're going to be the drowning victim, I'm going to be the lifeguard. Okay, if you're drowning, uh, what do you think you would say? Help. That's a, good, that's a good one. That's all you need, right? You don't need anything else. Uh, just, okay, help. Okay, so if, he, if someone is drowning, they're going to be pr pretty frantic as well. So you would think that, right? And uh, so, um, so you're drowning. I'm the lifeguard. You call out. Help. And I swim over to him. And, of course, you can notice his, his frantic, uh, you know, <laughs> stage right now. And uh, so I come over to him. If I, did, if I came over straight to him, uh, you might put my, your hands on my shoulders. But if he puts his hands on my shoulders and grabs on for help, he wants to make sure he stays above air. So he pushes me down. Now, I'm below the water and he's above. This is a good short-term plan, okay? Uh, but then I need oxygen, so I come up and I push him. You're going to go down. <laughs> so he's down, and then he goes up, and then, then, and then we both die. Okay, all right, so that's not good. So in order to avoid this, they taught us a couple of techniques, and this was before they had the, just like the red inflatable thing or whatever, and they just hand it to them. I wish we had that. Uh, but before that, so uh, I, he calls out for help. I swim up to him before he can reach... A hold of me, I would swim behind him, come up behind uh, Ben, and then I would do a cross chest carry, and I'd say, lean back, and I said, no kick, no whatever, come on back, come on, come on with me, and then I'd take him to the side of the kiddie pool, and uh, just easy, <laughs> and, uh, so I could do that. Okay, now, but even sometimes the, the drowning victim may have the wherewithal to kind of pivot. So if I'm swimming around him, just go and pivot and look at me. He could, he could be looking at me again, and it still it, it doesn't work. If I, if I come up to him, grab on my, sh my shoulders, and then he pushes me down, and then, you know, we would go through the same thing again. So another thing that we would do is this. They trained us uh, whenever the person would say, Help. Help. I would jump in, and before he could reach out to me, 
I would dive underneath, swim underneath him, come up behind him, and then do the cross chest carry. Say, okay, arch back, come on. Okay, I got you. Don't, don't thrash. Okay. Then I take him to, the, to safety. And watch this. If he had any part, if he was kicking and thrashing, if he had any part of the safing process, he would mess it all up. He had to trust me to do it all. Thank you, Ben. You can be seated. So today, let me ask this. Are you trusting Jesus Christ only and exclusively? Or are you still trying to do it on your own? Well, I can do some stuff. I'll go into church. And, and, and I'm, I'm trying to te- keep the Ten Commandments. You can't even keep a portion of the Ten Commandments. Well, I, I'm trying to be a good person. All of those the Bible describes as works. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should be boastful and prideful. And look at me, I got to heaven because, no, no, no. The only way anyone gets to heaven is by grace through faith. You trust Jesus Christ, and then he does all the saving for you. Have you personally trusted Jesus Christ to save you? Or you think it's Jesus and going to church? Or it's Jesus and being a good person? The Bible is very clear. It is a gift that's freely supplied and not being earned. Second Peter, I'm sorry, Second Timothy 1.9 says, Who hath saved us and called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. I remember one time I was speaking to a lady, and uh, she was a dear Catholic lady in Pennsylvania, 80-something years of age, never left the state. She was a super lady. She came to one of our meetings, and uh, after, at the conclusion of the service, like I'll do today, I asked, who here um, has been saved and trusted Christ as Savior, and who here does not know that they're on the way to heaven? Well, she raised her hand, and I prayed for her. Well, she didn't respond. She didn't talk to anyone, so she left. Well, she came back the next night. Same thing. Who here does not know that you're on your way to heaven? Well, at the conclusion, she raised her hand. And I prayed for her, but again, she did not get saved. She didn't speak with anyone. She left. The third night, came back, same thing. Who doesn't know that they're on their way to heaven, doesn't know that they have, have eternal life? She raised her hand. I, t- I talked to her with her after the service, and I said to her, her name was uh, Miss, was it Ruth or Rose? Uh, I think it was Miss Ruth. And uh, she said, um, I said, Miss Ruth, um, I saw you raise your hand. I prayed for you. She said, thank you. I said, but me praying for you doesn't automatically save you. Do you want to talk about how you can know for sure you're going to to heaven, have eternal life? Yes. So another lady and I just went to a side room, and we began going through the gospel. She immediately recognized, I'm a sinner. Oh, yeah, we're all sinners. And there's none righteous, no, not one. Oh, yes, and because of our sin, we deserve to die. And she had no argument that there is a place called hell. She agreed with that. She acknowledged that Jesus died on the cross. She's been taught that for decades. And in fact, that he died and even had our sins placed upon him. I said, okay, Miss Ruth, how does someone go to heaven? Well, you, you be a good person and sincere and you just help others and be the best you can be. I said, if that's the case, then why does the Bible say this in Ephesians 2, 8, 9? For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. 
and it's not of works. If Jesus died on the cross, then he did it all. And he was buried and he rose again. And he proved that he was God. That's a misruth. Jesus died so you could just receive his gift. He died to pay for all of your sins. Will you trust him? No, you have to still be a good person. She's read Ephesians 2, 8, 9, but didn't see it. I, I showed her Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. She did not see it. I, Isaiah 64, 6. Not, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. She still didn't see it. You still got to be a good person. Then I showed her Romans 4, 5. I'm, I'm asking, Lord, would you please just give me a verse, give me an illustration to help her. Romans 4, 5. It says, to him that uh, worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And I said, notice, it says that not to him that worketh a lot, or even worketh a little, but to him that worketh not, not at all. And I'd never used this before, but uh, it was fall time, and up north, the, the leaves actually fall in the fall. And, uh, and, uh, and I said, hey, if I came over to your house, uh, what if I came to your house and I raked your leaves? She said, that'd be so nice. I said, this, that's not the point. It's just an illustration. <laughs> and uh, I said, I rake your, your front yard, and I rake your sidewalk, and I rake your, and I clear your drive. And then I finish, and I take your rake, and I set it on the outside of your home, and I leave. Would you, Miss Ruth, would you come out, grab that rake, and rake the front yard that has no leaves on it? Well, she giggled and said, no. I said, would you rake and clear the sidewalk that's already been cleared? No. How about the driveway? She said, no. I said, why not? She said, because the work's already... Oh. The work's already been done. You mean when Jesus died on the cross, he died for all of our sins. I don't have to do anything else. No, no, no. That's right. So I just simply receive his gift by faith. That's right. So I, it's just a matter of believing that is depending on him. That's right. Would you like to believe on Jesus Christ alone and exclusively to save you? And she said, yes, I would. <laughs> and she was saved. Let me ask. Maybe you have thought you just have to be a good person. You just try harder. Be nice, be sincere, be kind. But that's not going to get you to heaven. The Bible never says it will. But it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You can be saved from your sin if you place your faith on him. You depend upon God's grace and it's freely given. And the gift of eternal life is freely given. Number one, we see this is grace is God's strength. Number two, grace is only given. Number three, grace is always sufficient. Grace is always sufficient. Let's go back, if you would. Uh, we are going to um, look at 2 Corinthians again. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Find verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. It says this, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. The idea of sufficient is it's enough for whatever your need is, for whatever your dilemma, whatever your problem, whatever your challenge, grace is sufficient. Whatever your sin problem is, Grace is sufficient and it abounds. It does much more abound. But notice something else. It says, my grace, what's the next word after grace? Say it out loud. My grace. You know what? That's one of the most important words in that whole, whole passage. My grace is. You say, why is that so important? Because it teaches us that grace is present tense. It doesn't say my grace will be. My grace shall be. 
but my grace is. So here's my problems. They might be this much today. God gives me this much grace and even more. Here's my problems the next day. God's grace is present tense to be sufficient and enough for whatever I face, whatever challenge it is. And the passage here says this, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, physical ailments that cause me not to function properly. I can't get up out of bed. I'm not going to work. I am bad sick. Infirmities. Okay. He says, I'm doing that so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, therefore, watch this. I take pleasure in what? In infirmities, in, per, in reproaches, that's when people say things that are not true about you. In necessities, you don't have what it takes. In persecutions, in distresses, the idea of distresses is here's this, the, the walls are just coming in, it's just pressing you, the, just like they would put the olive in the olive press or the, the grape in that wine press and that juice press and the juice would come out of the grape. And it's just squeezing. You feel like so pressured and so difficult and so challenged. And here's all this distress. Okay, it's during that time he says, I'm the strongest. <laughs> they say, how is that possible? It's because during those difficulties, what is he doing? He's acknowledging his weakness. Let me ask, are you trusting God's sufficient grace for you? Sufficient grace. Imagine with me if I had $1,000, I started a checking account, and I spend $250 of that. I wait a couple of days, I look, and my balance now should be $750. But it still says you have $1,000. So I go back in the, the, uh, the bank, I say, hey, I have a problem, what's your problem? Well, put $1,000 in, I spent $250, but it says I still have $1,000. I don't want to be charged or anything. You know? Oh, no, let me check here. Oh, I see Mr. Miller. You have a sufficient checking account. A what? <laughs> a sufficient checking account. You can spend up to $1,000, and the next day, that $1,000 will be back. If that existed, where would you be tomorrow morning? <laughs> At that bank. <laughs> Early in line, wouldn't you? Yeah. I said, I'm sorry, could you say that again? Yeah, you have a sufficient checking account. On Monday, you can spend $1,000. Tuesday, $1,000 will be back. You have any more problems? I said, nope. And I ease back out of the bank as I leave. <laughs> Could you imagine that? $1,000 every day. Now, it doesn't accumulate. You don't get $7,000, then $14,000, and $21,000 throughout the month. You just have the $1,000. If you don't lose, use it, you lose it. So if a Wednesday comes by and I spend $500, I look, Thursday, got $1,000 back. Man, wouldn't that be incredible? That'd be great. Do you think I would go through a whole week and go, ah, oh, I totally forgot I had access to $7,000 this week, and I didn't. I spent a dollar on Monday. <laughs> no, I don't think so. And do you think $1,000 a day would be enough for you? If not, um, you, there's counseling sessions with pastor afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it'd be enough. It's going to be sufficient for your needs. Okay. Now, folks, there's no monetary, physical, <laughs> financial sufficient checking account. But there is a grace sufficient checking account that God's provided for you every single day. Will you trust him for it? When you don't trust, 
and depend upon his grace, you leave it there. When you worry and you fret and you complain and you become bitter and you deal with your problems on your shoulders instead of rolling them over to the Lord, you are leaving God's grace in the account and it's been there. You say, Brother Miller, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't, but God does. And it's sufficient for you. What would be absolutely excellent is if we as a church body going into these services would just do this. God, we want to start out with this revival meeting and say, Lord, would you revive me? But God, I just have to acknowledge one thing. I can't do it. I'm weak. I can't live the Christian life. I can't deal with these problems. I can't get victory over sin. I can't do it on my own. How do we access God's grace? It's finally this. Grace is accessed through faith. A two-step process, if you will, of acknowledging your weakness and just simply depending upon God's grace. You know, a drowning victim, if they're out there, you know, probably a little bit bigger than Ben that helped me out today. If a big guy was out there and he's thrashing, you know, sometimes lifeguards will stop and wait until that person is just continuing to fight and gets more fatigued until they finally give up. Will you today just say, okay, I can't save myself, nor can I live the Christian life on my own. Why am I feel like I'm drowning? Why am I having such a hard time treading water? Because you're not trusting the lifeguard to help you and to deliver you from your need. Would you access God's grace through faith? Notice he says this in verse 10. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You see, you're weak all the time. It's, ma- it's the matter of acknowledging it. If you're not acknowledging it, what are you doing? You are depending upon yourself naturally. And that's just a form of pride, folks. Before we can go any further in this revival meeting, we just need to start at the very basic of, Dear God, I can't do it. I'm weak. And Lord, I need you and your grace. And it's sufficient for us. But you must acknowledge your weakness. For by grace are you saved through what? Faith. Will you today trust Christ as your Savior? If you've already said, Brother Miller, I'm saved. Will you today trust Christ to do for you in your Christian life what you can't do for yourself, which is everything. You can't live the Christian life, so acknowledge your weakness. Say, but Brother Miller, why am I going through such challenging times and difficult times? Perhaps God's allowing you to do that and go through that so he can show you your state, which is weakness. It's always weak, even when you feel good. It's always weak, even when you feel strong. You're only strong, and his strength is only made perfect or complete when you acknowledge your weakness and depend upon him. Would you do that today? Let's bow for prayer. Father, I ask for your help. Would you please give it? Lord, help us to respond in obedience and in simple faith to you, Lord, even right now. With our heads bowed, with our eyes closed, just in the quietness, let me ask a couple of questions like I said I would. First question would be this. Who here would say, Brother Miller, I know one thing for sure is I have trusted Jesus Christ alone 
to be my savior, and I know I'm saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I know that I'm going to heaven. Can you raise your hand all throughout the room? I know that I've trusted Jesus in this way. That's wonderful. You can place your hands down. Now, not everybody could raise their hand, and I want to thank you for just being honest, okay? Here's the next question. If you don't know for sure that you're on your way to heaven, would you let me pray for you? If you're here and you say, preacher, don't embarrass me, but I don't know if I'm on my way to heaven. I don't know if I died, if I definitely would have eternal life in heaven. Would you please pray for me because I'm concerned about that. If you're concerned about that and you allow me to pray for you, can you slip your hand up right now? I don't know if I died, if I'd go to heaven. Can you slip your hand high enough where I could see it? God bless you. Thank you so much. I'll pray for for you. I certainly will. Anyone else? They say, would you pray for me as well? I don't know if I died, if I definitely go to heaven. I'm not certain about that. Anyone else? Just high enough where I can see it, and I'll acknowledge that. I will not embarrass you, but I certainly will pray for you, and God knows you. Anyone else? Just real quickly. Okay, in just a moment, I encourage you to make the decision to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Even right where you're seated, you can trust Him, and it would be so good. But we want to help you with that as well, and that decision and the assurance of it. Let me ask next, who here would say, Brother Miller, yes, I'm saved, but God's spoken to me about acknowledging that I'm weak and I always am weak. So many times I just try, and here lately I haven't been depending upon him, I've been depending upon myself, and I've been making a mess of it. But God's spoken to me about acknowledging my weakness right now at the very beginning of these meetings. If that's you, can you raise your hand? Say, that's me. God bless you. God bless you. Wonderful. Praise the Lord all throughout the room. Anyone else to say, God's spoken to me. I need to acknowledge my weakness to trust him and his grace for living. God bless you. And God bless you. And God bless you. Good. Wonderful. That's great. Okay, everyone, would you look here? Would you look right here? In just a second, here's what we'll do. In just a moment, we'll stand and we'll pray. Now, when we do so, I'd encourage you, if you haven't trusted Jesus as your Savior, just right now, even in your heart and your mind, would you just say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know because of my sin, I deserve to die and go to hell, but I recognize that Jesus died for me for all my sins. And just say, Lord, I'm believing on Jesus. I'm trusting Jesus to be my only Savior. I'm receiving your gift. Would you do that today? And if you prayed, or if you're raising your hand and asking for prayer, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment, but I'm going to encourage you to do this in just a second. If you don't know that you're on your way to heaven, after we stand and we pray, we'll have our heads bowed. We'll have the instrument play in just a moment. And pastor will be looking. I'll be looking. But no one else will be. During that time, can I encourage you? Would you slip out to the nearest aisle, maybe the middle, and just come to the front? And pastor or myself will be here. And someone will take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. That is the most important thing. Don't leave this place without knowing that you're definitely on your way to heaven. And if you're, as a believer, you're here, say, God's spoken to me. I just need to acknowledge my weakness to access his grace. Would, during this time, would you find a place to pray at the front or someplace that you can kneel or sit, whatever's comfortable, and just trust the Lord, ask the Lord, and that decision for you. Would you do that? Everyone standing, let's bow for prayer. Father, I pray for your help right now with this one that raised their hand and others that could not raise their hand. Help each one to be saved and know for sure. And Lord, help them, I ask, during this time to be able to come and get help from your word. I pray others would come and pray as well 
uh, based upon what you spoke to their heart about. Lord, to help us right now during this invitation with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as the pianist plays, would you step out and come just right now? Find a place and pray, dear Christian. If you don't know for sure that you're on your way to heaven, you step out and come right now. We want to help you from the Word of God with the Bible. God bless you. That would be wonderful. for sure that you're on your way to heaven. If not, why don't you come? You can even come with a friend or a family member. We'd love to help you. It'd be fantastic. another verse, maybe the chorus again. Someone's come. Why don't you, if you need to know that you have eternal life, don't leave this place. I remember it was a Sunday like this, and I got it settled, and it was so helpful. I know for sure I'm going to heaven because of that Sunday that I got it settled. Would you come even right now? Would you look this way? Um, Pastor will come and close in just a moment, and uh, we'll close. But if you don't know that you're on your way to heaven, we certainly want to be a help. Before you leave, would you ask somebody, Pastor, myself, um, uh, one of the assistant pastors as well, we'd love to be able to help. Uh, let me is, again mention that over here, there's a small table with some resources. Settled and strong, what it takes to have assurance of salvation is an excellent resource to clear up doubts about on, being on your way to heaven. There's a, several uh, videos that we have online that explain the gospel. This is one of them. It's, a, it's called the free gift, and it uses the QR code in the, in the gift to be able to uh, hand to others like a tract. And so a lot of resources there uh, that will help you with the Christian life as well, and everything comes in, goes directly to the ministry. Brother?